Welcome back to another episode of Comedy's Dead. I'm Sandra. I'm your host. And if you have been listening for the past two episodes or watching, you will know I have been talking about the Delphi murders and the leaked documents. And that is what I'm going to be doing again tonight. So let's get into it because this case is just rabbit hole after rabbit hole after rabbit hole. And it doesn't matter what hole you go down, the only way out is through Doug Carter's ass. And I think we deserve some answers. Don't you? I do. And I mean, everybody right now is asking, why did police wait so long to arrest Keegan Klein? And negligence, incompetence, laziness. I don't know. Maybe they fucked up. But I think the question that everybody should be asking is, what were police doing for the past three years before they handed all that evidence over to the Miami County Sheriff and Prosecutor's Office? I mean, other than playing pass the ass videos around the office. And that's just a mathematical fact, folks. Come on. Statistically speaking, we know for a fact that some of those officers were jacking off to the photos and videos on those devices. That's true. We just do. We know that. And if you've read the arrest affidavit, you would know that there were multiple images of females where their ages were undetermined. So what I want to know is, what kind of factors does the FBI use to determine something like this? I mean, there's got to be a mathematical equation involved, like a boner to image ratio. Right? I mean, the number of images divided by the number of erections equals she's old enough to get beads at Mardi Gras. I mean, I know it's a bad algebra equation, but come on. The only thing we know for certain is that there is more semen on those devices than a bed at a swinger party orgy room. That's all we know, folks. But anyways, I'm interested in this case. Because, one, I'm just nosy. And especially if you're going to go on TV all the time and ask for the public's help, but yet give them no information so they can help you and then be all secretive when people ask questions, that kind of raises my suspicion. Because I live in this state and I have a child, so I want to know what the hell is going on. So... First off, I want to point out the fact that most child pornography cases rarely go to trial. They don't. Most people take a plea deal. And Keegan is facing 30 counts of child pornography and child exploitation, all of which stem from these devices that he admits to owning and using. So it seems to me like a plea deal would be the best option for Keegan. Yet, his defense team has stated that all plea deals are off the table and we are going to trial. So what I want to know is, what does Keegan's defense team have or know about that makes them believe that going to a jury trial is going to get him a better deal than a deal with the prosecutor? So I looked at the Indiana My case. I know if you've listened to the Murder Sheet podcast, you've probably heard of it. I got on there and I was looking at some things 
And we know that Keegan Klein was arrested in 2020, and he hasn't even had his pre-trial conference hearing yet. And he has waived his Sixth Amendment right to a speedy trial three times, as both the prosecution and the defense team have both been motioning for a continuance. And listen, I'm no legal expert or anything, but I have watched a lot of Law and Order, and I know when prosecutors are asking for continuances, it usually means that police didn't do their damn job. And in between all these rescheduling, because the pre-trial conference hearing has been rescheduled 10 times. So in between all this rescheduling, there are all these posts about certified mail or priority mail that keeps getting sent back as to return to sender. And I don't know who is reaching out to victims. I don't know if it's the prosecutor or the defense. It could potentially be both. I don't know. But we have July 11th. 2021 cannot be delivered as addressed. August 3rd, 2021 attempted unknown. October 27th, 2021 can't be delivered. And then again on December 3rd, 2021 attempted unknown. And this can mean nothing. I don't know. I don't think it would have anything to do with the time frame in which Keegan claims he lived in Las Vegas because there's no charges during that time. So I would just assume that either the defense or the prosecutors, probably both, are trying to reach out to victims and they can't get a hold of them, which is problematic because that could potentially mean that Keegan Klein's due process was violated because police aren't exactly allowed to deliberately delay an arrest of a suspect in hopes of gathering information to help the prosecution's case. And this case is risky because the Indiana State Police didn't delay Keegan's arrest because they were out there building this child pornography case against him. No, I mean, Keegan admitted to that on February 25th 2017 when they raided his house and questioned him then so the state police delayed giving the evidence to the miami county sheriff's department so right now as it stands if the police or the prosecutors cannot provide a reasonable justification for the delay in keegan's arrest a judge could dismiss the charges or the conviction, if he was to be convicted, which he probably would, but an appeals court could overturn the conviction. So, and it actually happens a lot because defendants, like it or not, and guess what? Not all defendants are guilty. So defendants have a right to defend themselves. And that actually becomes harder as time goes on because witnesses move, they forget things, people die, you know, evidence is no longer no longer available. So it's a problem. I mean, and on, honestly, after reading the 194-page leaked police interview from August 2020, I honestly don't know how the state police can justify withholding child pornography evidence from Miami County because they suspected Keegan might be a suspect 
and the Delphi murders? Because if you guys are watching this, I'm assuming you've listened to the Murder Sheet podcast, right? You've at least read or listened to the leaked document. So you know that police only spoke to Keegan one time in three years after they raided his house. That was it. And then nothing until they arrested him in 2020. And police, listen, I mean, I know you're, because when I, when I read that, I, I was thinking, well, it was probably because of this or probably because of that. Well, guess what? None of it pans out. I mean, they can't even claim that it was because they were waiting on forensic data from all the devices that they seized because all the devices, there were six of them that they seized and then the one iPhone 5 that Keegan turned in two days later, all of those devices, with the exception of the iPhone 5 and the Galaxy S5, all were protected with a four-digit passcode. And the Galaxy S5 didn't have a passcode, so they weren't waiting on that data to come in. So according to the FBI, any device with a four-digit passcode can be cracked within 15 minutes. So that means all of those devices would have been available to look at and search through and find the evidence within 15 minutes of arriving at the FBI crime lab in downtown Indianapolis. And the iPhone 5 would have taken five to six months tops to crack. And that's assuming that it didn't have a passcode that was similar to the other passcodes on the other devices. And guess what? It really doesn't matter because there was no child pornography at all on the iPhone 5. So I don't know how the hell police can justify withholding all this information for three years because they were, I don't think they were doing anything. So let's talk about this arrest affidavit, okay? According to the arrest affidavit, the iPhone 3 had images of underage females with geolocations in Indianapolis, Bunker Hill, Kokomo, Galveston. And listen, police should have followed up on these locations because those are potential witnesses and victims. And it also could have been other suspects making child pornography. So this is a problem if police did not investigate these locations because I don't know if you realize in a child pornography case, the jury sees the pictures. They see the evidence. Pics or it didn't happen. I mean, that's how a prosecutor gets a solid conviction. And Kokomo, Galveston, Bunker Hill, those are all towns within 30 minutes or less of the Miami County Courthouse where this trial is going to be taking place. So if police didn't go and find these victims or witnesses, then now you potentially have a jury that could be related to one of the victims. I mean, you can't, they're going to be passing around a binder to the jury. So you can't have somebody sitting there looking at these photos going, wait a second, that looks like my dog. Wait, that's my kid's room. That's my daughter. Wait a second. She wasn't taking a picture in front of the mirror. Somebody took that picture. Case dismissed. Do you see why this is a problem? 
if the police did not investigate the child pornography case because they were just waiting to see if maybe Keegan might have been a suspect in the Delphi murders. And listen, I get it. I understand that some people think that it's okay for police to delay an arrest if they were investigating Keegan in the Delphi murders. And I think a court would accept that reasoning, but you still have to prove that you were investigating Keegan as a suspect in the Delphi murders. And guys, if you've listened to the leaked document, you know that's not the case. They only interviewed him or talked to him one time, once in three years. So they weren't investigating him and doing anything. I mean, they interviewed Ron Logan several times, searched his property twice. Then they arrested him because he violated his parole when he drove to the damn pet store. And they threw the book at him for that. I mean, he was sentenced to five years in prison for that. And then the judge that sentenced him made this big spiel and speech about how Ron Logan was a danger to society. Uh, I live in this society, and I can tell you right now, I would rather live next to a drunk than a minor attracted person. So why was it so important to put somebody in jail for violating his parole just because, you know, the, the bodies were found. You know what I mean? Like, you had two people that committed a crime, but they threw the less dangerous one in prison and then delayed the arrest of the guy with all the kitty porn. Doesn't make sense. But it is important to note that the judge, Curtis Fouts, that threw the book at or through the book at Ronald Logan, he actually had to resign from being a judge because he was caught on camera soliciting sex from a prostitute. So anyways, I mean, what do you expect? That's just, uh, I'm not surprised. But I, I want to talk more about all the stuff that we heard in this police interview, specifically the conversations that they were talking about that happened after Keegan was polygraphed and went back home after he was re released because he admitted then in 2017 to admitting to making the Anthony Schatz account and soliciting underage girls. He admitted to possessing child pornography and he admitted to speaking with Libby. Yet they let him walk out of the police station a free man for three years and never once talk to him again. I mean, they didn't even talk to him when he brought in the iPhone 5 on February 27th, you know, after police failed to locate it in the raid. And that seems kind of like a vital mistake to me because, again, in this interview, Keegan is talking about after he got home, he found the phone on the microwave and his dad was all upset, and his grandpa had just been there and left before Keegan had arrived back from the police station. And that seems like useful information that the police and detectives and investigators should have gotten three years ago, right? I mean, now you have a missing phone that police couldn't find, and all of a sudden it appears 
on the microwave after grandpa was there. So did grandpa bring the phone? Was grandpa even there? Did Keegan leave the iPhone 5 with grandma and grandpa before he went to Vegas and grandpa was just bringing it back? We'll never know because guess what? Grandpa's dead now. So, I mean, do you see how this is all starting to look like either the police totally messed up or they didn't consider Keegan a suspect at all, which doesn't make sense because then why wouldn't they have just handed all the evidence over to the Miami County Sheriff's Department so they could arrest him and get him off the streets, right? I mean, none of this makes sense. And, I mean, clearly most crimes are solved after they re-interview suspects multiple times, right? I mean, that's how you catch them in a lie. Oh, wait, well, you said last week, you know, Grandpa and Grandpa just picked you guys up from the airport because they were going on vacation and they left the car. I'm just making this up. But you get it. You get how people solve crimes. And none of that happened. So how are police going to justify delaying this arrest? I, I don't see it happening. I mean, we have all these press conferences from Doug Carter going out making theatrical, I don't know, announcements about how, you know, we've learned so much about the killer and he's speaking directly to the killer. You know, he's saying, we, we've learned all this information. And if you want to know what we've learned about you, one day you will. Well, I don't think they've learned a damn thing. I mean, I, I think these people are just playing a cat and mouse game with, you know, maybe a killer or killers because they messed up. So they're just trying to cover their tracks is what I think because there just doesn't seem to be much of an investigation at all into Keegan Klein being the Delphi murder suspect. So this arrest violation, this delay could be a problem because if his due process is violated, he's going to be walking free again soon. So, and also I want to point out, if you get on my case, you will see that the judge in the case had to issue a motion to have the leaked documents removed. He called them two erroneous posted chronological case summaries, and he wanted them removed because it was just a horrible mistake. So, now Keegan potentially had his right to a fair and impartial jury violated. I mean, there's only 35,000 people in Miami County, and I'd say most of them have listened to the Murder Sheet podcast, right? So, and if you've listened, if you've listened to the most recent uh, podcast, they interviewed Witch TV and uh, reporter Demi Johnson. And she's supposedly the reporter that found these two erroneous leaked documents. And I think it's safe to assume because she's actually been working on the case since day one. So she knows a lot of the investigators and people in the clerk's office and the administrative office. So I think it's fair to assume that these documents were purposely leaked just for her to find them to release to the public once the prosecutors realized that there was going to be no plea deal and that Keegan's defense team was actually going to be flipping the case on the police. That's what I think happened. I mean, what else would it be? Why were these two 
a police interview should never be accidentally leaked. I mean, I think that's clerking 101 since police are allowed to lie to suspects. You can't have that out to the public. So, I mean, somebody's got a, a lot of explaining to do because, I mean, come on, guys. Just because you have six devices filled with child pornography doesn't mean you're guilty. I mean, not if your due process was violated. So the one thing I want to talk about, and this is actually why I'm doing this podcast. So that's what prompted me to go look into all the legal crap that I know nothing about. But anyways, in the leaked document, this stood out to me and I can't get over it. So when they or when detectives are questioning Keegan about the morning of the 13th, around 8.30 a.m. in the morning, they say he's logging into his Snapchat account and he's using two different devices and they show him a piece of paper and they say, here, look, it's the same addresses, the IP addresses, two different devices, log in, log out, log in, log out. And they ask him, what two devices were you using? And Keegan said, I don't know, it must have been that Galaxy or something. And then police kind of distract him and they start asking him why. You know, they say, well, that doesn't make sense. Why would you use two different devices for the same account? And he goes, well, to talk to more girls, you know, like have my Instagram open and my Snapchat. And then again, police ask him, well, we need to know what two devices those were. And he goes, well, because they already know it was the iPhone 5, I'm assuming. And he goes, well, it had to be that, that Galaxy, you know. It was white. It had a cracked screen because I sat on it. So... According to the arrest affidavit, there were two Galaxy phones seized. One was an S4 and one was an S5. And the S4 was last utilized on, or in 2015. So it couldn't have been that device, which means it had to have been the S5, which is the phone that Keegan claims he found in a rental car while in Vegas, which we all know was after the morning of the 13th. So that had to be a lie. And the S5, according to the arrest affidavit, is also the phone that Keegan reset, factory reset, on February 23rd, which was the day after the Down the Hill audio was released. The S5 is also the phone that Keegan used to research the Delphi investigation while he was in Vegas. And again... None of this evidence is guilty, proves that you're guilty of anything other than maybe lying about finding a phone. So the question that I have for investigators is why, after three years of having this evidence, did Detective Vito from the Indiana State Police think that now was the time to prove or to catch Keegan in a lie about finding a Galaxy S5? I mean, it's not like these Snap logins could have been newly obtained information because Snapchat only keeps documentation for 31 days. And if this documentation that police were showing to Keegan was actually real, the police would have known the device and the operating system that Keegan was using. They document that. So you would have that information right there on the sheet of paper. So, and also I want to point out again, it doesn't matter if Keegan lied about finding a phone. 
the only thing that would matter in court, what was on the phone. And again, police know this phone was in his possession when it was factory reset and searched about the Delphi investigation and then went on to search about, you know, teen gangbang and teen fucked in the ass and 11-year-old hardcore and, you know, 12-year-old pussy whatever, which are all Pornhub titles, and those are protected under the First Amendment, so you're not bringing that into court as long as he didn't watch anything that didn't have an 18-year-old in it. So, again, why so much focus put on whether or not he found this phone that really doesn't have any evidence that can even be brought into court. So I looked into Snapchat records. So after looking into the type of records that police can get from Snapchat, I reread the 194-page document, and I think the reason that Detective Vito was focusing so much on this phone was because they were trying to see just how much Keegan knew about what police were able to obtain from Snapchat. So let's talk about the type of user records that police can obtain from Snapchat and the legal process they have to follow to obtain these documents. Because this is important, all right? So first off, there's two types of information that you can get. The first is the basic subscriber information. And that contains email addresses, phone numbers, Snapchat user vanity name, Snapchat account creation date, and IP addresses. It also contains the timestamp and IP addresses of logins and logouts. And there are several ways that authorities can obtain this information. And one way is by an administrative subpoena, which according to this arrest affidavit, is the process that Indiana State Police Cybercrimes Unit used to obtain this information. The second type of information that can be obtained from Snapchat is logs of previous Snap stories and chats. Snapchat retains logs for the last 31 days of snaps sent and received, 24 hours of posted stories, and for any unopened chats or saved by sender or recipient. And it's also important to point out that these logs only contain metadata. So who it's sent to, who received it, if it was open, and the time. There is no way for police to find out what content was in the message at all. The only way that would happen is if it was unopened or the sender or recipient saved it to a cloud storage. That's the only way. And the way that authorities can obtain this type of information is only through a federal or state warrant, or there's a court order under 18 U.S. Code 2703, and that that is irrelevant to this case. That has to do with surveilling and notifying or not notifying the person that they are surveilling. So that's not what this is. That would have nothing to do with this case. But there's no mention in the arrest affidavit about any federal or state search warrant issued to Snapchat. And there's also no mention about any records or logs of snaps sent or received 
from Keegan to Libby or from Libby to Keegan. So the only mention in that entire police interview really about Snapchat, other than the logins and logouts, was this mystery friend that they bring up. And they say, the friend sent you a message asking if you knew what happened to Libby and you responded, oh my God, what happened? And she responded with what happened. And then he sent another snap saying, oh, I was supposed to meet her, but she never showed up. Well, unless that friend came forward and screenshotted those messages or saved them to the cloud, it's a lie because police wouldn't know what was in those messages, even if they filed the proper paperwork to get a warrant for Snapchat's records. And if they did file the proper warrant to get those records, then why was there no mention of any of the timestamps of snaps sent from the Anthony Schatz account to Libby? And he vehemently denies responding to that girl or those exchanges on Snapchat. And according to Demi Johnson, the Wish TV reporter, she said that Libby's parents only found out about the Anthony Schatz communicating with Libby when the documents were leaked. So if this friend existed, police would have had to have gone to interview her and get her story, which it seems most likely then they would go to the family, one, to find out who this friend was and how close she was to Libby because, one, the friend could have been involved. You don't know. Crazy things happen all the time. Since And since they didn't go to the family, it makes sense that that was a lie. So, I mean, what else are they lying about? I mean, it's just everything seems to be stacking that the police totally screwed this up or screwed this investigation up. And I want to know if the police didn't file the proper warrant to get these records. I want to know why they didn't, who dropped the ball. And then if they did file the proper paperwork to get the state or federal search warrant, where the hell are the records talking about or showing the timestamps sent and received to and from Keegan and Libby? I mean, come on, what's going on here, guys? So this brings me to another thing that I can't get over. And this was the night the girls went missing because we know, according to one, Libby's grandmother and Mike Patty and Libby's sister, Kelsey, that by 5.30 p.m., Libby's phone was dead or shut off because all calls were going straight to voicemail. I mean, that's documented several times in tons of articles on tons of newscasts. So, and they've stated that AT&T's last successful ping was at 5.30 p.m. Well, according to the headline news Down the Hill series, a former Delphi fire chief, Daryl Sturrett, said around 2.30 a.m., Sheriff Toby Lesbony called him saying that Libby's phone was pinging again and it was coming back to the Monon High Bridge. So they had to have the fire department come out to help so they could have better lighting. Well, Libby's phone was dead. We know that. We know nobody was 
calling that phone and getting through. It was going straight to voicemail. So there would have been no pinging at all. So what I want to know is, could police have discovered the video and audio that Libby took on her phone at 2.30 a.m. on the cloud? Because we know for a fact, because this is stated in plenty of interviews and news reports, that Kelsey, her sister, knew Libby's passwords. And also, we know that Mike Patty, Libby's grandfather, around 5.30 p.m., shortly after the girls were reported missing, he brought the police all the devices from the house. So the police, with the password and all the devices, would have had everything they needed to check the cloud saber storage if Libby did use that. And that makes sense that they got those that video and audio that night because if you look at the timeline of when they released the first photo of Bridge Guy, and it was less than it was literally less than 24 hours at the gr- after the girls were found. The girls were found on February 14th around 12:35 p.m. So that means if police did in fact find Libby's phone at the murder scene, that would have been a really quick turnaround to have that photo on the news the next evening because they would have had to have found the phone, bag it in an evidence bag, send it to a forensic lab, and then they would have to have had to, you know, dust it for prints, check it for DNA, you know, bodily fluids, semen, seen and unseen, all of that stuff. And it would have to be processed and completed before police would even be able to physically touch the phone to plug it in and charge it and to see what was on it. So it only makes sense that that video and audio was discovered around 2.30 in the morning. That's the that's really the only option. And the thing is, we're never going to get any answers from the police. They are, I mean, they're being so secretive with this five years later. And I mean, anytime you try to ask Doug Carter anything, a reporter, anybody about, I don't know, evidence, timeline, anything about the Anthony Schatz account, he gets super defensive. So I honestly think that the reason police are being so secretive about this investigation is because they're more concerned about the public figuring out how they messed up the investigation than they are about finding Abby and Libby's killer. I mean, what else would it be? I mean, come on, think think about it. For one, everyone, just, just stop loving the cops like they're your own kids or something. Just for once, okay? They're people just like you and me. And we all make mistakes, right? I mean, I don't trust anybody to do anything right, especially in any form of an administrative office. I don't know how many times I've had an appointment scheduled and the time that they told me was different than the time that they put in or you know there it was supposed to be seven weeks you know past or you know after the first appointment until the second appointment and they scheduled it for three weeks instead and then you get there and the doctor's like well wait a second we can't do this procedure because it's been three weeks not seven weeks this shit happens all the time okay so why would police be any different so think about it if police admit 
They never filed the proper paperwork to get the warrant for the Snapchat sent and received records. Then that means they violated Keegan's due process by delaying his arrests because they don't have any other evidence other than maybe some Instagram photos that he sent to all girls. And if police did file the proper paperwork and got the Snapchat sent and received logs and there's no communication between Keegan and Libby, and if we assume that they actually did get those records, they would have mentioned it in the police interview or they probably would have questioned him prior to three years after they first brought him in and got all the devices. So if that's the case, then they still violated his due process by delaying their arrest while endangering the public because he's a minor attracted person. Does it starting to make sense? And because of these two erroneous leaked documents, now the only way for Keegan to get a fair trial and an impartial jury would be if police had to tell the public or the jury what they lied about in the police interview. And that's definitely not going to happen without, you know, the due process and a court order ordering police that they would have to do that. And that's probably never going to happen because then that could jeopardize the Delphi investigation. So I wouldn't be surprised when September 1st rolls around if Keegan Klein doesn't walk out of court a free man again and tell everyone, yay, I'm going to Disneyland. I mean, because I honestly do not think this case is going to go the way prosecutors want it. And also, think about this. Even, and I'm assuming Keegan will do some time in prison, but I just don't think it's good. I think a lot of of the charges are going to be dropped. So he's probably only going to do five to 10 years and he's going to get time served for the almost three years he's been sitting in prison or jail or whatever. So, I mean, he's probably going to be out sooner than anyone would expect. And everyone knows who Keegan Klein is. I mean, everyone's listened to that Murder Sheep podcast. So when he does get out, he's going to have a target on his back. I mean, I mean, police are going to have to provide 24-hour security protection against him because for sure somebody will try to kill him. I mean, I, I, do you guys, have you guys been to Carroll County? I have. I've done shows there. And let me tell you, they're feral as fuck in that county. They all have guns. Everyone carries guns. I mean, even the moms have guns. You don't think a mom would kill Keegan? You're out of your mind. She'd be like, listen, if you want that new puppy, you better tell police that Keegan tried to touch your pussy. I mean, I don't see how he's going to have to go into witness protection like Ray Liotta and Goodfellas. I mean, so look, I'm sorry. And this may, I mean, what? How, they're going to have to release this information. I mean, I, we're, I guess you could get a, an attorney. I, I don't know. What is it? The Freedom of Information Act? I don't know. What's Kim Kardashian doing? Didn't she pass her bar? Isn't she a practicing attorney now? I mean, come on. Your dad got OJ off. I mean, you're familiar with police fuck up. So, hey, why don't you come to Indiana and help figure out how the police screwed up the Delphi murder investigation? Seriously. Because at this point, the only thing that is left 
to be done with this case is for Johnny Depp to do one of those Lifetime movies where he plays, you know, a, a grieving father turned part-time detective who solves his daughter's murder, but not before undercovering an even sinister crime, right? I mean, someone's got to do a Delphi movie. That's the only way. I mean, par- listen, I'm sorry, and this is going to be hard to hear, but this case, it's no longer just about Abby and Libby. And as uncomfortable as that is to hear, it's just the truth. Because this is now it's about future victims, their rights, their family's rights. I mean, that could be my daughter. That could be your daughter. And we, if, if police aren't qualified or capable of, I don't know, doing an investigation properly, the public has a right to know. I mean, these are paid civil servants. And how are we, as parents, especially, going to be able to, and God forbid, if anything ever happened to one of our children, how are we going to be able to know what are the, the proper questions we need to be asking from police, you know, especially when it comes to social media? I mean, you don't know what the laws and regulations are. So how would we know even what to make sure that police were doing? So I'm sorry. It's time to release the goddamn evidence. So anyways, that's Comedy's Dead for tonight. And next week, I'll go back to just doing straight comedy because this was stressful and I am tired. But anyways, um, yeah, I mean, I think... I honestly think the police dropped the ball or someone in the Indiana State Police Cyber Crimes Administration Office dropped the ball. And I think the public has a right to know. It's not really going to jeopardize the case at this point. And but one thing I do and I didn't go down this rabbit hole because I don't think it really matters. But I wonder what kind of phone Libby had. Was it an iPhone Was it a Galaxy S5? Because if it was a Galaxy, then it would have a SIM card. And if you take that SIM card out and factory reset it and delete everything on it, there would be no way that you would be able to connect that phone back to the original person unless there's a serial number. I mean, obviously, I'm assuming there's some type of serial number on the phone that would be connected through the computer. So that's why I didn't bring it up. But I mean, I know you can buy a phone anywhere. So unless that serial number is somewhere in the phone and logged on the computer when you like, you know, hook it up to iTunes or all that stuff, then you wouldn't be able to connect it back to the original owner. Because it's not like an iPhone. An iPhone has an IME, I forget what it's called. So you'd always be able to track the original owner by, you know, phone numbers and anyways. But so I didn't bring that up. I just thought that would be interesting, but I didn't want to sound stupid because I still think there's probably a a serial number log that gets logged into your computer when you plug the phone in, even though it's a uh, droid. I don't know. I've always had iPhone, so I don't know. But anyways, that is Comedy's Dead. So like, follow, subscribe. And if you want to comment, you can see my name. You're watching it on YouTube. 
just go to my actual Facebook page and you can comment there. I don't care. You don't have to go to my comedy's dead. I mean, because if you're going to comment about the Delphi murders, I'd rather you do it on my Facebook page because I, I know people all over the world. So comment there. I mean, at this point, it's not going to mess up the investigation. Anyways, so I'm Sandra. This is Comedy's Dead. And like, follow, and subscribe.